If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Burt. Welcome along to our first Early Excellence podcast episode of the new school year. I hope you've had a great break, a great summer break, a fantastic holiday and that you're well rested ahead of the new school year. Now, September, of course, it's always busy. And that's something that we're going to be talking about in this week's episode. And here at Early Excellence, Well, we've got lots going on as well. So at whatever stage in your career you're at, there are lots of different ways that you can connect with us here at Early Excellence. So if you're um, an early career teacher, an ECT, we've got a free webinar coming up at 4.30pm on Tuesday, the 13th of September. A free webinar just for you early career teachers with lots of useful information um, as you get started in your teaching career to help you really get started. So any of you EYFS early career teachers out there, certainly share the message, get yourself along to our free webinar on Tuesday, the 13th of September. If you want to know more about that, there's more information on the Early Excellence website, which is www.earlyexcellence.com. Okay, what else have we got coming up? Well, we're really excited, actually. We've got um, Kath Murdoch flying in to present um, a conference and some some online sessions for us as well. Kath's going to be talking all about the art of inquiry teaching. Um, She's going to be talking all about how to put the child at the heart of your curriculum. That idea of the big ideas, you know, the, 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 that inquiry teaching of questioning and curiosity and how you really encapsulate that as part of your curriculum. Um, now, the conference itself and the other sessions are perfect for anybody who is a senior leader or an early years leader or somebody who's a phase leader in Key Stage 1 or Key Stage 2. Okay, there are face-to-face sessions and also live online sessions and recorded webinars as well. Again, there's more information on the Early Excellence website all about the Kath Murdoch Conference, but do join us because it really is not to be missed. Okay, right, on to this week. Um, For this week's episode, I'm joined by my colleague Luella Ivans. As we go, we kind of go all earth, wind and fire, really, as we explore the key things to remember as we go through September. Okay, so here we are in September. And of course, September is a crucial, crucial month in the school year. It's, of course, our starting point, the starting point of the school year. And there is so much that we that we will be thinking of within September from getting the baseline, doing the baseline, doing it correctly to getting to know our children, to getting all of the routines in place. All sorts of things will be buzzing around your head as an early years teacher in September. And so what we thought we would do is put together an episode of the podcast where we've 
where we're really thinking about actually what are the key things you need to keep, be really clear about in terms of getting right during September. Um, and so Luella and I, we have put together a list of five key things to really keep at the forefront of your mind, really to make sure that September really gets you off to a flying start in terms of your school year. Okay, so um, Luella, do you want to kick us off with point one of our five? What have you got for, yeah. for number one of five key things to remember for September? So the first one is the idea of really being responsive to the needs of the children. So recognising, I think, that a lot of the children will be coming to you fresh, perhaps not from a school setting or not from um, a childcare setting, but they might be coming straight from home into school for the very first time. And even those children who have perhaps been in um, a private daycare setting or a school nursery setting or something similar, for lots of those children, it can be quite a shock just coming into the environment for the very first time. It might look very different. It will certainly look very different to the home environment. So I think it's really important that in those busy few weeks at the start, when you're really thinking about, you know, as Andy said, baselining, getting things right, setting up your routines, learning all that information about the children, I think it's important that we remember that the children that are coming into our classes or into our settings will still have very quite individual and perhaps quite complex needs as well. And this will be brand new for a lot of them. So they're going to be very tired. They're going to be um, perhaps a bit nervous. Some children will take it in their stride and they'll strip right in and be really happy um, to get stuck in and it might hit them in week two that actually this is a, a thing that they're going to be doing every day, five days a week. Um, and for some children, that tiredness can hit a little bit later on. And for us, I think, as teachers, sometimes it can feel like we've got so much we want to pack into the day because there's so much to do and we want to make a start moving forward with teaching um, that we forget sometimes to just be responsive to the needs of the children. And actually, if the children are a little bit more tired in the afternoon, that's totally normal. And we probably need to adapt our day to compensate for that as well. Andy, have you got anything around that that you want to add in? Um, yeah, I think that was a really good point. You know, that idea of children who um, who don't necessarily seem tired or or they, they, they kind of come into school from the, in the first week. You know, they're absolutely bouncing, they're excited, they've been looking forward to it. There's been a really big build-up, the adrenaline is rushing, and they are, they're dashing into school. And I think sometimes it's very easy as an, an earliest teacher to, to, to kind of kid ourselves after week one or week two that this is absolutely fine, they've settled really well. Um, yeah. But you're absolutely right that sometimes it's not even after two or three weeks that, that they start to get very tired and it starts to hit them and they start to find it more difficult and they get more emotional perhaps. But it might be, you know, just after half term, it might happen, you know, as the kind of, as the mornings get darker, you know, and, and it kind of gets a bit more, a bit more difficult to get up on a morning perhaps, that it sort of hits them. And so I think, I think having, bearing in mind 
from from day one, really remembering how young these children are, I think is important because it's so easy, I think, to slip out of that, to forget just how young they are. You know, you can measure their their age just in months. You know, that's how young they are. You know, they're incredibly young and their experiences coming into school will have been incredibly different. You know, for some children, they'll have had a wide range of different experiences. Um, even during lockdown, they'll have been taken for walks. They'll have done all sorts of, of really nice family things. Other children really won't have had that wide range of experiences. Um, I think I think it's important also on entry to consider your catchment area and to consider the children that come into your school and what will what experiences will they've had. Um, we, of course, want to be, you know, as early as teachers, we're generous people. We want to offer the children lots of different experiences. But we've also, I think, got to be quite cautious in that if children have not been to a nursery before they came to us in perhaps in reception, if children have perhaps had restricted experiences, then coming into a classroom, a busy classroom full of lots and lots of resources will be kind of a bit overpowering to a certain extent, I think. And so being quite sensitive and responsive to the, responsive to the needs of the children, I think, is also about thinking about perhaps not offering absolutely everything from day one and that perhaps toning it down a bit so that you can then carefully introduce things. So I think that's certainly something to think about. But certainly they'll get tired. They'll get really tired. So, so being, you know, kind of bearing that in mind, I think is crucial. Okay, so that's a very good starting point, really good starting point. Shall we move on to point two? Um, point two of our five things for September, five things to really get you, get you thinking in terms of September. Um, relationships, relationships for learning, I think are so, so crucial. Um, I think, as Luella mentioned just before, I think we're often very quick to feel that we need to jump to kind of what we see as, in inverted commas, teaching. That kind of, we're starting straight away as we mean to go on, we're getting straight to the, the, the teaching time. But I think we have to remember that effective early years teaching is very much based on the warmth and closeness of the relationships within the classroom. That such a lot of it is built around effective communication, around effective interaction between adults and children, around tuning in to children's needs. And a lot of that really requires a closeness of relationship. And that's not something you can turn on and turn off. It's not something you can just magically have when you decide you want it. It's something that actually takes time to build and really requires an investment of time. And that investment of time really starts from September. So really from September, spending time alongside the children, ideally having transition approaches before that so that we've got we're building relationships even before the children are within the setting so that we know the parents so that we understand the parents anxieties we understand and we've already built that relationship with them 
and we're building that relationship with the children as well. And that, I think, is something that you can't really skim over. It's not something you can rush past in order to get to the teaching. I think really we've got to invest time at that early stage, building those relationships, being alongside children within provision areas. Because otherwise, you know, when you come to have those, what, we, what we're aiming for, those effective interactions with children, children who've not got a relationship with the adults, who are perhaps not confident in terms of speaking and listening, will we'll wander off, will move away when adults become involved if they're not used to the adults being around them, if they haven't got that relationship. So I think that is crucial. That's an important starting point, really. Make time for building relationships. Anything to add to that, Luella? I'd really echo what you were saying there, Andy. I think it's just so important, isn't it? Um, and I don't think you can overlook the the amount of time it will take to build those really strong but but still really authentic relationships with children because I always think children are really they're really good at knowing whether a, a relationship is genuine or not aren't they um and they know whether you genuinely really want to get stuck in and, and play alongside them or whether you're just trying to perhaps elicit some assessment information out of them. They know and they they do know when a relationship is strong and when it's authentic. Um, and as Andy says, I think that that importance of getting to know children and their families is really, really important. If we put the groundwork in early on to really understand the family dynamic, to understand where parents um, are coming from in terms of their parenting, in terms of the home life, in terms of what children have been through in, in the lockdown as well. Um, I think it will be really important to do that in order to then build those learning relationships as time goes on. So we always need to put the groundwork into building those authentic um, partnership relationships with parents, but those real genuine connections with children as well, and starting to really understand them as little people, understand them for what they, they love to do, what they're interested in, the way they like to go about doing things. And once we know all those things, then we can build those learning relationships together. And actually, it means that that when you're learning alongside children in the provision and you're learning together through that kind of sustained shared thinking approach, it makes that whole process more authentic and more genuine. Um, and it does mean that you can support them um, really, really well because you know them so well. Um, so if you haven't, if, if you're at this point in the year and you haven't had time to, to perhaps do home visits or you haven't had time perhaps yet to really meet with parents, um, I would definitely recommend finding some time to do that on a one to one basis with parents, with the children. If you can get to see um, the home environment and get to see children in their own environment, I think it's always really, really valuable. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I think it's really important. I'll tell you one thing, it just jogged my memory. One of the things that, that I often say to people is early on in the school year, try to give every child in your class a positive identity. Try to, try to make sure that every, every child within the class has something that the other children know them for in terms of the real positives. So they might be an expert 
in you know you might say well this is our this is our dinosaur expert this 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 child here you know they're they're our dinosaur expert they know all the dinosaur names or it might be you know another child who is fantastic at painting and mixing paint this is our artist um try to give them a, a positive identity that right from the very start that everybody else knows them for so that when when dinosaurs come up in a in a book that we're reading or when when being an artist comes up you know take that moment to say oh that's just just like our resident artist of course so and so over here on the carpet and that makes such a difference to children you know having a positive identity within the group having a sense of belonging within the group um being known positively and being known for what it is that we can do helps us fit it helps us fit in you know um the personal social and emotional development needs of the children are one of of course one of the prime areas and they're one of the prime areas of course correctly because actually that's so important to get right first of all isn't it it's an an, on, an ongoing thing that actually we we learn best, we thrive when our emotional needs are met, when we feel that we belong, when we feel safe and secure. And so really September ha has got to be about not losing sight of that, I think. Absolutely. And I think you make a really good point there, Andy, and I love that idea of, of giving children that kind of individual positive identity, because I think there's a lot to be said for making children feel comfortable. Um, and making them feel welcome and making them feel that they have a safe space in which to really learn and explore. Um, and I think that ties us really nicely into our, our third point, doesn't it? Um, which is around our third thing to not lose sight of in September is, is around putting in the groundwork with, with your, your children and really getting to know them and setting expectations and routines. And I think, Andy, that point that you just made there ties in really nicely with that, almost setting that kind of positive classroom climate um, where children feel that they can um, really thrive um, in that in that space, I suppose. Um, yeah, so, Andy, do you want to kick us off with this idea of putting in the groundwork in September? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we've already talked about relationships, haven't we? But kind of moving beyond that in terms of that idea of groundwork, um, introducing resources, you know, so the materials and resources that you have available on your shelves, around your room, in all of those different provision areas, the children won't just know how to use them straight away. They won't just know what those resources are called. They won't know necessarily what your expectations are for using those resources and for tidying up. They won't know what the possibilities of those resources are. Those resources, if you've selected the correct resources, the right resources that, that your children are going to be able to use to get lots out of, those resources will have or should have lots of possibilities. And really the teaching early on within the school year, certainly part of the teaching, a large part of the teaching, I would say, is really about introducing those materials of showing the children what the materials are, why they're here, why we have them, what you can do with them, what they're called, what language and vocabulary is linked to them. And that really doesn't just happen from telling children. It happens 
really when we're in those areas alongside children, introducing all of those different things from the language to the expectations in terms of tidying to the exploration of what you can, what the possibilities are. That's something that I think quite often when people are really quick to get to, again, what, is, what I would say is the kind of in inverted commas, the teaching, we lose sight of the introducing of resources. And I think that's quite a dangerous game, really, in terms of early years practice, because what often happens then is we try to be very aspirational in terms of getting on with the teaching. But then if we haven't really set, put in place the kind of the ground rules, if you like, or the kind of the expectations or the, the what the possibilities are in terms of the resources in the room, then that generally will often come back kind of later on in the year to bite us a bit. Um, you know, we will be trying to work with a group later on, but over the over the children's shoulders, you're, you're aware that actually as you're looking behind them, as you're trying to work with your group, there's something happening in that area over there that shouldn't be, or it's too noisy, or there are lots of interruptions. And I, I think really we've got to be really careful that actually that, that is often something that happens when we haven't put in enough time earlier on in the year to really get that classroom working in terms of those provision areas. So really there needs to be lots of modelling, lots of supporting, lots of talk, lots of time to use those, that provision as well. And for adults to set out those expectations, expectations in terms of tidying up, uh, expectations in terms of getting things out. Um, not just inside, of course, but outside as well, so that it runs smoothly. The, the classroom environment, the indoor and the outdoor environment, if we're going to be offering lots of resources, and hopefully not too many resources, but nevertheless, even, even within a well-planned environment, there will be quite a few resources, then we don't want that to end up being really difficult in terms of management throughout the year. I think we've got to really get get to grips with the management of that classroom environment very early on, really. Anything you wanted to add to that, Luella? Yeah, I think um, I think that's a really important point. Because I think often as adults in, in the early years, we can become really kind of sidetracked by other things that need doing. So whether that's whether we're kind of spending a lot of time setting up the outdoor environment because we haven't quite got that running as continuous provision yet, or whether we're spending a lot of time um, kind of managing or, or that idea of kind of being on duty. Um, sometimes I think as early as teachers, there are so many things to do and you have to wear lots of different hats. And I think it can be easy to forget to spend time just in the provision, putting in that groundwork, playing alongside the children, modelling, as Andy mentioned, um, and just really taking time to play and learn alongside the children um, because you don't get that time back. It's such a precious time, that start of the year. And although, yes, we've got all these other things that need doing, like the statutory baseline needs doing, those sorts of things as well, it can be really easy to find ourselves sat at a table at a computer or, or doing a baseline and actually not actually spending any time in the provision with the children. Um, and it's tough. It's hard to manage that that kind of fine balance between those things. But what I would say is, um, as Andy mentioned, that taking that time to get those 
those kind of opportunities to model the resources, to practice routines, to set expectations, that time is really important. And it's important it's done at the start of the year because it, it then means later on children might just need reminders or might just need some prompting um, or at the start of every half term you might do a little bit of reminding about the provision um, but actually in the everyday the children will run the provision themselves it actually frees you up later down the line but it also supports that idea of building those strong relationships with children as well so what I would say is it's important to to do all the things that you need to do, like your baselines and all those sorts of things. But definitely don't forget the importance of play and being in the moment with children and remembering that play is a pedagogical approach in the early years. And that is teaching. And it's OK to play with children. It's OK to spend time doing that. Um, and you don't need to be justifying that either. I think I think that's always really important to remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and you mentioned, of course, baseline, which will be, I'm sure, at the forefront of many people's minds as they go into September. That idea of the baseline in on really on two fronts, of course. So if you're a reception class teacher, the um, statutory baseline, the RBA, completing that. And of course, it's important to really think through how is that going to be managed? How how, how are we going to manage that in terms of members of staff? So which members of staff will be completing that statutory baseline assessment? Where will it happen in terms of within the classroom or in a, in a corridor or where will that be? Um, but then, of course, alongside that, how else do we find out about our children? Because because the reception baseline assessment, as we as we know, really wasn't designed to tell you a lot about your children in reception that will support you in getting to know them or in terms of planning to meet their needs. It's really um, as, a, as a measure of progress from reception to year six within your school. So really, once you've done it, it will be kind of packaged away and then put away and, and really until those children get to year six. Now, of course, knowing that, we've got to make sure that the baseline assessment that you choose to do alongside it, that is there to support your practice, is valued as well. Because the reception baseline assessment, the statutory version, isn't going to tell you a lot about your children that will feed into your planning, that will support you in getting off to a good start. So don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Don't put everything that you don't, don't really commit all of your time and your effort and your thinking to the statutory reception baseline assessment because it can leave you, I think, high and dry in terms of your practice if you're not careful. Okay, so that's the first thing. Secondly, in terms of doing your own baseline assessment, I think it's important that we build, really from, from day one, we build an accurate and a broad picture of our children in terms of their learning. And therefore, your baseline assessment really shouldn't be a tick sheet. It really shouldn't be just something that is table-based, but it should be something that is built up. The information should be built up through that process that we mentioned before of being alongside children, working with them, getting to understand them as learners, getting to understand what drives their thinking, what drives their learning, what motivates them. 
getting to understand their stage of development and how we can support them further. So it's important to consider actually not just the statutory reception baseline assessment, but your own version, your own baseline assessment, and what information will be included in that. Now, again, we've touched on some of this already. Um, really, we would recommend really focusing in on some key aspects of the EYFS. So really focus in on the prime areas. Yeah, so the personal, social and emotional needs of the children, the physical development of the children, and the communication and language needs of the children. Use that as a starting point. Alongside that, you might want to really focus in on those characteristics of effective learning as well. So not just what do the children know, so um, not just whether they can recognize a particular color or a particular number, although that might, that might be useful, but Actually, what are they like as a learner? How engaged are they? How secure do they seem? How resilient are they? Do they collaborate, perhaps? Are they confident to share, share ideas with other children or with members of staff? So all of those different ideas in terms of not just what do they know, but how do they go about learning? those characteristics of effective learning, I think will give you a really good starting point. So it's important, I think, in September or before September to really be clear about what information do we need from our own baseline assessment? What's going to be useful to us? What will provide us with a useful starting point? What information will really give us the, the information that we need? What baseline will give us the information that we need in order to get off to a good starting point in meeting the needs of these children. Now, again, this is not by this is by no means wasted time. There's a lot within the EYFS framework, of course, around the importance of curriculum, about your curriculum, what your curriculum is, and then your pedagogy and meeting the needs of your children through your curriculum and your pedagogy. But we've also got to remember where, what's the starting point? What's that based on? In an effective, in an effective earlier setting or, we, or within, the, within an EYFS classroom, the curriculum is based on the needs of the children. And the needs of the children are what we identify on entry and through observation. We've got to make sure, I think, that we don't just have two separate things that on the one hand we have this understanding of our children and on the other hand we have something that we were always going to teach the, the, the kind of the set things that we were always going to deliver I think we've got to be quite careful about that that for me effective practice is always about how assessment links to the planning that you we know this about our children on entry and therefore, this is what we have put together in terms of our curriculum. This is what our curriculum does because this, these are the needs of our children. Now, that's got to be based on something and it's got to be based, I think, on, on, a, on an effective and really well thought out baseline. OK, um, anything to add to that, Luella? What do you think? 
No, I completely agree. I think I think that's you know, it it's not just about ticking a box, is it? It's about making that baseline effective, making it really work for you and work for the child, and knowing how that feeds into your curriculum development and your planning for the rest of the year, really. Um, and that and then that ongoing assessment, obviously feeding into that as well. Um. I think as well, um, Andy, it kind of leads us into our, our fifth point, really, which is this idea of obviously once you've got your baseline and you've carried that out, I think it's important that we don't just forget about it and package it away, which I think sometimes can happen. Um, it can be something that, that we might be doing for a data collection purpose or it might be something we feel we're doing for that purpose. But actually, as Andy said, it needs to be something that is usable. It should be something that that isn't a waste of time. It should be something that is really purposeful and usable. Um, So our kind of fifth point here really is it's important that we use that starting point to teach from. So taking the starting point of those individual children and using it to start their, their curriculum journey off, start their learning journey um, and really making sure that we are teaching those core foundation blocks um, right from the start, right from the point that that child needs that that kind of foundation to start from. Um, because if we're not careful, what we can sometimes end up doing, I think, in, in early years is sometimes we can be thinking ahead to that curriculum mapping process and we can be thinking about that end point too soon. And what happens then is we end up kind of creating this this um, trajectory in our mind of where children should be at each point in the year. And we might be thinking, well, every year when I've taught nursery before, um, by Christmas, they've all been able to do X, Y and Z. That's what most of the cohort have been able to do. Um, but I think it's always important that we retain that idea that actually it's about the individual child. And it's about their starting points. And actually, we we can't be rushing ahead to get to those goalposts really quickly. We don't want to be teaching children to do things that they're not yet ready for. Because actually, when, when they get to the point where they might be ready to um to do, you know, write a sentence or um to be adding um numbers together, actually. To get to that point, there are lots of small developmental lines of development that they need to go through to get there. What we don't want to do is we don't want to rush children through to that end point, missing those crucial building blocks along the way. Because what will end up happening is we'll end up be being uh, gaps being created at that point. So we'll, we'll be leaving children vulnerable, really, to some of the the major pitfalls of of writing or of maths and they'll be missing some of those crucial building blocks. So I guess that the point here really is that it's important not to underestimate the role of of child development and those incremental milestones that children go through and to acknowledge that children will go through those incremental stages at different rates. And that that is actually perfectly fine. And it's absolutely um, really good practice, actually, to be teaching children, you know, just beyond where they're at at the moment. Not miles ahead, 
We're not covering old ground constantly. We are recapping and revisiting and giving children chance to embed things into their long-term memory in the continuous provision. But actually, when, when we're um, harnessing those teachable moments, they should be things that are just beyond children's reach. Um, so starting from their starting points, using that baseline and building upon it will be really, really important. Um, and I think it's OK to acknowledge that it's OK to do that and that not all children will be at those, you know, that in that trajectory that you've got in your mind. They won't all be there at the same time. But taking that kind of child development um, angle will be really, really important, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's really, really important to say, isn't it? You know, that that idea of um, of, of your curriculum being and, and your pedagogy be, being really clear about how it starts with the needs of the children. And that whilst I think we all feel as an earliest teacher, we feel under pressure to to be seen as being very aspirational in terms of what we want to teach the children, how we get there is very much through those smaller steps. And if we lose sight of that, then I think we lose an awful lot. Um, you know, I often use that example of, you know, children who, um, if we want children to write a sentence by the end of the school year, that doesn't, that basically doesn't look like just getting them to try to write a sentence every single day of the year. Actually, in order to be able to write a sentence, we've got to understand as teachers and practitioners all of the smaller steps that go into being able to do that. Whereas trying to get them to do that very difficult task from day one is something that is likely to put them off in the longer run rather than improve their confidence and their security. So it could be counterproductive. It's very much about every step of the way, understanding all of those small steps. And that, of course, requires a degree of flexibility in terms of planning and responsiveness. Um, it doesn't happen if we've just planned a, like you say, a curriculum map and where we've got absolutely everything planned out for this first half term. It doesn't really happen like that because you can't really plan in detail seven or eight weeks in advance of meeting the children uh, and be, be able to then meet their needs. We've got to have enough flexibility to maybe have a structure, but to be able to, along, alongside that, be able to have some flexibility and our staff to have some flexibility to be able to say, actually, no, this is what this child needs or this is what this group of children need. And so actually we're stepping away from what we planned originally. So a degree of flexibility, I think. But yes, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, so there you are, five things for September. Five things to really, really think about for September. So just to recap the five things, be responsive. Uh, number one, be responsive to the needs of the children. Okay, so be flexible. Be sensitive to the needs of the children if they're tired, if they've got emotional needs. Be really sensitive to what it is that they're telling you. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, relationships. Really crucial, key relationships. Relationships with the children, relationships with the parents. Really important to get off to the right start with your children. 
Okay. Number three, building the foundations and putting in the groundwork. From building relationships to the right routines to introducing materials and resources to modeling how we use those resources and the possibilities, the expectations for how we do things and the time to explore and the time to play. Which brings us to number four and number five. Number four, baseline, of course, the B word, baseline, um, both in terms of the statutory assessment in reception and also your own baseline assessment. It's important to get it right. Really think carefully about the timing of it in terms of when will that be happening and how will that be done? But also be really careful to make sure that you get the right information. Is it useful to you? How will it be useful? So make sure that you meet in advance as a team. What information are we really looking for that's going to help us to meet the needs of these children? And finally, following on from that, once you've got that starting point, make sure you use that starting point. Don't just have a baseline assessment that is kind of tidied away and put away and left in a folder but really have baseline information that for you is the starting point of your rich curriculum of meeting the needs of those children. So there you go. I hope that you found this week's episode useful and that it's given you lots to think about as well. Um, thank you very much for listening. If it's made you think or certainly if, if you've got any questions following on from today's podcast, then do feel feel free to get in touch. Uh, my email address is just andy at earlyexcellence.com. I'm more than happy to help or offer advice if I can. Um, now, also, if you want to know more about the Early Excellence events that are coming up this half term, the ones that I mentioned earlier on, so the free ECT webinar and also the Kath Murdoch conference as well and other events too. Um, if you want to know more about them, then we will put a link in the information for you so you'll be able to just click straight onto the link that will take you straight through to the early excellence website okay um, now next week we're going to be exploring the fascinating world of schematic play all of that repetition that repeated play those repeated actions those predictable moments in children's play really interesting stuff to really explore so do be sure to join us for that lots to think about lots to explore within schematic play and that's about it really for this week. So have a good week, everybody. Take care out there and have a really good start to the new school year.